then as the seasons passed, things would start popping up in the garden. And we had quite the learning curve as well, like um, lots of things that we pulled out. I did like a permaculture course and I came to learn that a lot of the things that were driving me crazy, like stinging nettles popping up everywhere, <laughs> like, oh my God, what are you, like, you know, how do we get rid of this? And the chickens won't touch them. And then sort of came to learn, oh, actually, he's planted those deliberately because they're so great for the compost and they're so good for the soil. And, you know, as we sort of learned and went along, and even when we removed the 12 massive great big tractor tires, which was a huge job in itself, um, then the garden started flooding. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> there was a purpose to those. They had canna lilies in them, and canna lilies suck water. So, mm-hmm. so that was all starts to make sense. Yeah, it did all start to make sense. There was a method to the madness. When I look around our garden right now, I must admit. It's had a bit of neglect in this podcast and book writing process. (laughs) Spring has just sprung, so we have some daffodils that are coming out and peeping their heads up around our letterbox. I remember the daffodils being planted by the boys last year. I think from memory they used teaspoons from our cutlery door to dig the holes and place the little bulbs in to prosper and while our garden is certainly needing some attention I recognize how wonderful it is to be able to provide that for the boys and to be able to have the opportunity if I so desire to enjoy that space and get in there eventually. (laughs) Our guest today is a friend which I connected and clicked with in many ways, many, many years ago, we lost touch a little bit, as you do, as the garden still remains there. Our friendship is also the same. There are many twists and turns within this conversation. It's not just all about the garden. (laughs) It's about buying a home, falling in love, and all the stories in between. I'm Linda Bonney, and this is Stories with a Sunday Roast. Ange, welcome to the community. I love that you have joined us, and let's go. This is an absolute pleasure to catch up after some time. We connected through our children a little while ago now, and then have gone on our merry ways in life and uh, projects and all sorts of things (laughs) yes no it's so good to catch up with you again and thanks for having me oh it's my pleasure absolute pleasure so one of the big reasons that I wanted to have this conversation is because you've now found an opportunity to buy a place down in the Huon in Tasmania which is where I spent a lot of time growing up in my childhood well, in the great apple country. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Yes, 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 we did. Yeah, so my grandparents were actually in Waterloo. Oh, nice. Tiny, we're not far from there. Yeah, tiny little blink and you miss it type thing. <laughs> yes. um, and, yeah, I've got lots and lots of fond memories which are filtered all throughout this book 
and podcasts and all that sort of stuff. So tell me how you've ended up in that part of the world. Let's start there. So um, when we were looking at buying a house, well, I'm self-employed, so, you know, banks love that. So Mm. we had pre-approval for a certain amount and then when it came to it, what the banks would let us have ended up being like over $20,000 less than the pre-approvals. So that was really disappointing at the time and and quite difficult. And the other thing we found was when we started looking, like what the listing price was, the houses at the time, this was two and a half years ago, were selling for up to like fifty, sixty thousand dollars more than what they were listed for. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah, I don't even know how they can legally do that, but anyway, they do. And so we quickly realised that the areas that we were looking were vastly out of our price range if we sort of took the listed price and tacked on another fifty grand. We did look around New Norfolk. We actually missed out on a place that we really loved in Dodgers Ferry. And then we came across this place, which now, in hindsight, I'm so glad that we did end up down here. Um, Mm. Yeah, and, like, we've really come to love the lifestyle down here as well and the area is really growing. There's a lot of new young families coming into the area and, yeah, I love it. I love it. I love the country life and I love that we're only a stone's throw from the township and we're really only 15, 20 minutes from Kingston as well. So, yeah, um, yeah. like your rural with now being, you know, out in the wolf whoops's side. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you've worked pretty hard in the garden and you've got... Yeah, more. we've still got a long way to go. So <laughs> when we brought this place, oh, my, my parents actually saw it listed and I'd seen it online and sort of gone, oh, nah, you know, <laughs> oh, God. And they're like, nah, you know, go go check it out. And I think we were just feeling so deflated by then, like we'd been knocked back for like three or four houses where we'd put in an offer and, you know, around the asking price. And then they'd come back and gone, oh, no, you know, they want $40,000 more than what you've asked. Um, So we were just feeling super deflated. And uh, I I wasn't even going to come and look at it. And then, yeah, Dad was like, no, you know, come on, just go have a look. If you hate it, you hate it. And um, we rocked up and we're actually only one of two groups. So there was a young couple that looked at it as well. And um, we pulled up and just thought, oh, my God, like, are you serious, Dad? <laughs> like, come on. Like, this place needs work, <laughs> a lot of work. But we could see there was a lot of beautiful things as well, like the garden, oh, my goodness. Like, out the front there were, oh, gosh, I don't even know how many now. On the property in total, there were 12 tractor tires, like massive, great, big tractor tires. Dizzy. And Dizzy. those were the <laughs> gardens. They're <laughs> just like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> but within them were these beautiful plants and I could see, you know, This would have been beautiful back in the day, but sadly the people that we bought it off, an elderly couple, 
Like it hadn't even been inhabited for, I think it was nearly nine months. So if you can imagine, like we went out the back and the grass was sort of up to our armpits and, oh, my gosh, we're just like, whoa, (laughs) (laughs) this is pretty bad. (laughs) Um, But then when, like, we could sort of see past that. The young couple didn't hang around very long, so it's just us. And there's fruit trees and there was roses everywhere. I think when we first moved in, I think there was 39 rose bushes. Wow. And all different colours, I guess. Oh, it's so beautiful. We did end up culling a few because we soon realised pruning 39 rose bushes is quite the job. job. (laughs) job. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't even started pruning yet. I'm very, very late. And a lot of them are really old and quite diseased so we, we did cull a few but yeah so we could see sort of beyond the mess to what it would have been in the past and there was chicken coop and lots of veggie gardens and actually really quite big once you could see beyond all the mess and all the clutter everywhere oh my god there was just clutter everywhere there's like a like a shade house area I guess you well, it would have been like a fernery. He had some orchids and things in there that were dead, but it would have been beautiful. Once upon a time, in there was just, oh, my gosh, just rubbish everywhere. We moved in a couple of days before Christmas, which was mad. So we moved in and then put up a Christmas tree. Like, there's boxes everywhere, but obviously the priority was to put up a Christmas tree. So, <laughs> so I had Christmas with boxes unpacked and, you know, tried to still make it nice and sit under the Christmas tree. Um, and then, yeah, I think it was a long weekend and we got a skip, like the biggest skip that you could get. And just filled it with all the stuff that had just been left behind and dumped in the backyard. And oh my God, just it was such a yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, once we cleaned up, we could sort of see that there was quite a lot. And then as the seasons passed, things would start popping up in the garden. And we had quite the learning curve as well. Like um, lots of things that we pulled out. I did like a permaculture course and I came to learn that a lot of the things that were driving me crazy, like stinging nettles popping up everywhere. They're <laughs> like, oh my God, what are you like, you know, how do we get rid of this? And the chickens won't touch them. And then sort of came to learn, oh, actually, he's planted those deliberately because they're so great for the compost and they're so good for the soil. And, you know, as we sort of learned and went along, and even when we removed the 12 massive great big tractor tires, which was a huge job in itself, um, then the garden started flooding. (laughs) Like, oh, (laughs) there was a purpose to those. They had canna lilies in them and canna lilies, suck water so, mm-hmm. so that it was all starts to make sense <laughs> yeah it did all start to make sense there was a method to the madness yeah yeah did you grow up doing a lot of gardening did you have a lot of education no not really um dad did have a bit of a veggie garden at one point but no I remember that we used to like have pumpkins that would randomly grow in the compost pile 
and stuff like that. But no, not really. Um, Dad worked away a lot, so he wouldn't have had time mm. to do it. So Mum, you know, there were some years when she was largely looking after us on her own while Dad was working down the south of New Zealand. Yeah. So no, we didn't. But my granddad, Dad's dad, was an amazing gardener. And um, this is back in UK and they lived in, um, what do you even call it? Like a sort of a two-storage block of, I guess in Australian terms we would call it the units, but all sort of side by side in a row in these um, sort of stone two-storage, like two up, two down houses, I guess. Mm. So you'd have like two bedrooms upstairs and the bathroom, terribly steep stairs, like dangerously steep stairs. Oh, yes, that's quite European, isn't it? Right, your neck stairs. (laughs) And then you had like the sitting room and the kitchen, like your two downstairs, so two up, two down, and then a cellar underneath. And then you had like a really narrow, very long garden at the back. And, yeah, he used to grow tomatoes in his little greenhouse and had a beautiful garden. It was absolutely gorgeous. And I remember we went over to UK. Oh, we were quite lucky, actually. We did manage to get over there quite often, like every couple of years. Not always all of us. Usually it was like sometimes it was, yeah, it was usually my sister and I with one of our parents. Yep. I think sometimes it was just one of us, I don't really remember. But anyway, I remember one time we went across and my granddad had like a bung hand and he would sit for hours and he was sorting seeds. And I love that I do that now. It sort of makes me feel really close to him. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he's sitting there with his little table meticulously sorting seeds, which took forever with a bung hand. And um, oh, I'm not sure if what we were doing, if we were dancing about or just being silly and goofing around, but we came past and spilt the seeds. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I don't think I've ever, like, I don't think he ever, ever got mad at us. Like, we'd get away with murder, um, apart from that one time. <laughs> really mad at us. <laughs> Did you I have don't... to sit and sort seeds with him? No, I don't know. I think we kind of got ushered upstairs <laughs> and sent to bed or something. Yeah. <laughs> to bed at 3 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it must have been at night time because they had the tally on. And he'd yeah. sort of sit there and, and sort seeds with the tally on. Yeah, I don't remember, but mm. like you know, this is my granddad who let us play with his hair and put hair gel in and spike it up like a mohawk and uh, <laughs> touch yeah. my seeds. <laughs> no, <laughs> don't touch my seeds. Yeah. In thinking about your granddad in the UK and your mum and dad in New Zealand. And yep. now you down in little Huonville country town. <laughs> yeah, well, they're actually here as well. So Yeah, yeah, yeah so, so it's almost like a full circle. But yeah. I'd love you just to touch really quickly on how your parents came to be and how they met because it's quite intriguing for me. I've heard the story many so. times. <laughs> <laughs> so they met and married in a month uh-huh. and they were engaged after a week. And I think they'd seen each other only three or four times in that week. And, um, oh, gosh, 
what is it? I forget. I lose track. But I think they've been married like um, I think it was 46 years this year. Oh. They'd be able to confirm what yep. that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, Dad was a sailor and um, he'd come into Auckland, into port, and my mum used to work for Navy League, which was um, I guess like their like information stop. And anyway, so dad and his friend went in and got chatting and invited mum and her friend to a party on the ship. And I think when they got there, like they kind of were the party. (laughs) 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 Just sit over (laughs) there. Someone else forgot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Message on. Was that on purpose? Do you think? Oh, probably. It's <laughs> a practical joke in the. Oh, no, I'm pretty sure Dad knew what he was doing. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so they must have, they hit it off and, yeah, and, and that was that, I guess. They hung out a little bit and Dad sort of offered to Mum that, you know, if she wanted to travel that he could show her a few more. Oh, I forget how he put it, like show you a few more ports and a few more cities or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, sure, why not? <laughs> this is not a crazy idea at all. <laughs> totally normal. <laughs> and my sister and I were like, didn't you kind of think, you know, this could end really badly? <laughs> I could end up stuck on the other side of the world, or but yeah, I guess like mum had travelled a bit, so um, she, you know, wasn't completely naive or anything. She's yeah. fairly worldly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's just one of those could have gone either way stories. Like it really oh, could. Yeah. Have. <laughs> well, then mum says like they've travelled so much and seen so much of the world together. That it's like they never run out of things to talk about. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Not that my mother could ever run out of things to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you think that's then followed through? That story is quite, uh, it's quite intriguing and captivating in a way while also yeah. being a little bit mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Has it been quite hard to, I guess, live up to that ideal in a way within your own relationships or is that even how it happens or is there how, – how does that then get passed down in generations? Obviously they have quite a long-standing, somewhat solid oh, relationship yes. in a way. Yeah, and yeah. do you then strive for the same – in different ways and is that hard to find? Um, well, I was married before, which did not go well. Yeah, it's interesting. I guess I've always just assumed that I would get married, like it was just kind of a given. Yeah, I think marriage is, is quite important to me. I think um, the other thing that's quite interesting for our generation is like divorce was not uncommon but for myself and my closest friends growing up, 
all of our parents are still together, which yeah. I think is quite amazing. Miraculous. Yes. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. Yeah. Mm. Yes. And look, I'm sure there's many ups and downs and moments in your life of relationships which can get various colours and feels and all the things that, yeah, for sure. that we encounter as well. So thinking about your beautiful marriage that you have now, tell me a little bit about how you met as well. Was it within a month that you were engaged and married? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> No, well, no, no, it wasn't. It was very quick with my first husband, though. No, so it was quite interesting, actually. So Farrell and I worked together. He was like my two IC, and my boss there at the time, I think he just felt sorry for me. Like I'd come out of a really bad relationship, and I had no retail experience or anything. I was just desperate. And, like, extremely poor. Yeah, I think he just felt sorry for me. Like, I used to call him my daddy too until my parents moved down here because he really did sort of take me under his wing. And, I, oh, gosh, like, I've cried on his shoulders so many times. Mm. Anyway, so, yeah, I started working there. And Farrell and I really didn't like each other. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh. Yeah, really, yeah. It's all opening up. I didn't yeah. <laughs> This is interesting because you know him, obviously. So, um, yeah, no, we didn't like each other. And I think he must have thought, like, what the hell have you employed her for? Like, (laughs) it's just this, like, fluff head, you know, she's got no idea what she's doing. She's got no style. Like, I didn't even own a dress before I worked there. Like, I'd come from the wharves, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I honestly, I didn't even have a dress in my wardrobe. So I went from, like, wearing overalls. And then having kids, obviously, and not working for a while, and um, to wearing cute dresses and heels, and it was yeah. totally out of my comfort zone. Mm. But yeah, so anyway, he thought that I was inappropriate, I think, and <laughs> 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 a bit of an airhead, which is it's not untrue. And um, oh, I thought he was such a snob. Oh. Like, I'm like, but you know, what is your problem? Like, seriously. Um, so. Yeah, we really didn't say much to each other for a couple of months other than him, you know, probably telling me that I was doing the wrong thing and telling me off. Um, But I got in really well with one of the other girls there and she was really close to Farrell. Like she was almost like a little sister. Yeah, so I guess I sort of got to know him a bit better in a work context Mm -hmm. through Beck. So at the same time, I'd become friends with a girl, not very well. We didn't know each other very well. Anyway, she'd come round to my house and was very much in the same situation. Like I'd pretty much split up with her ex-husband around the same time that I had and we both had young children. We got very, very, very drunk and stoned one night, (laughs) which led to, um, you know, feeling very, very sorry for ourselves and um, deciding that it was a great idea to write each other's profiles on rsvp.com, which is, you know, this is before Tinder and all of those. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my gosh. So that happened. And then, you know, went to our hungover ways the next day. And I caught up with her like a few days later. And, you know, sort of jokingly, like, um, oh, have you checked your profile? She was like, oh, no. I'm like, yes, I have. And she's like, have you checked your profile? I'm like, yeah. And um, she's like, any leads? I'm like, oh, you know, maybe a couple. And any leads for you? She's like, oh, you know, maybe a couple. Like teenage girls. (laughs) (laughs) So much. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's so embarrassing. And anyway, so to cut a long story short, uh, I've lost contact with her, which is really sad. But she ended up going to Perth on a whim to meet this guy that she'd hooked up with online and ended up marrying him and having another child. So I hope that that all worked out and that's still where she is and that that's all going well. And I started chatting away to Farrell online. Uh-huh. <laughs> not knowing that it was each other that I was talking to my boss essentially and um so we kept that up for quite a while I think it was going on a month just you know getting to know each other then we sort of got to more personal questions and you know what do you do for work and he's like oh you know I, I work in a menswear store well obviously we found out that each other was in Hobart eventually and I'm like oh I'm in Hobart too and and where do you work and he's like oh I work in a men's store I'm like oh how funny I work in a men's store too uh-huh. thinking there's only like three of them in Hobart <laughs> <laughs> yeah and he was pretty cagey and um like he wouldn't say which one and and I didn't even know his name like we both had um aliases and yeah, so I got talking and, you know, what do you like to do um, in your spare time? And he's like, oh, I coach soccer. And I'm thinking, oh, okay. I know this guy at work who coaches soccer. And, <laughs> and slowly putting the I did. He didn't. And I'm like, what's your name? And he's like, oh, I don't want to say because, you know, it's a bit unusual and, and quite distinctive. And I've gone, oh, okay, so works in a menswear store, coach in Stockholm, has a distinctive name. And I've gone, oh, I think I know you. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like flipped out, like, who are you? Where do you work? And I sort of just left it at that. And, And then we sort of kept talking for a few more weeks and just sort of drip fed little bits and then like you'd go to work and sort of just drip feed little bits again (laughs) and um I was putting coats away one day and he said something to me I can't remember what he said now and I thought oh has he figured it out and um this sort of kept going and he said one night when we were, so like we'd be chatting at, at work and then go home and chat online, you know, and at the same time as well, which was quite funny, we had one of our workmates trying to set us up. So, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know. That was hilarious. Um, yeah, so he let me in the back door at work one day and just opened the door and kissed me 
and um, which again could have gone terribly bad if his guess was wrong. <laughs> just it, out of the blue. <laughs> I know I should have been like, "What are you doing?" You know? <laughs> so, um, so that was that. So and did then, he actually put the pieces together? Yeah, he did. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. eventually. Yeah, with lots, lots and lots of clues. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it's quite funny. So then we were going out for a while. Like we kept it very quiet because it's a bit of a no-no at work. And, yeah, and then still had our workmates trying to set us up. And, um, oh, like they, they oh, I think they came to us like, like a list, you know. What are you looking for in a man? And what's the thing that you notice? first and I'm just I was being such an uh, they were annoying me and, <laughs> and I've gone a nice watch and they're like what I'm like a nice watch I notice if a man has a nice watch they're like what not even like nice eyes or funny or you know great personality the first thing you notice is whether or not he has a nice watch like, yeah, like a digital <laughs> like a digital watch. It's not going to do it for me. And then they come back to me later in the day. They're like, "Farrell's got a nice watch, you know." Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> so um, uh-huh. eventually, they figured it out, and my boss was quite funny about it. But he was right about it. You know, we're like, "Well, we've been together for like three months, and you didn't know." So. Yep. It's all good. Mm-hmm. And how long ago was this? Um, we've been together. We've been married eight years and together 15 years. Wow. Yeah. 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 No, it doesn't seem that long. Yep. Mm. And Farrell's still working at the same. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> he'll, he'll be there the rest of his life. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> he loves it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he manages the announcement. Cool. Yeah. We got in trouble um, one day where a customer had complained that she'd seen me pinch his bum on the floor and how oh. unprofessional that was. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the act. That's a great story, though. It is. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of feel like we had, you know, um, Oh, it's, it'll sound silly, but like lots of factors or the universe conspiring to uh-huh. get us together in more ways than one. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm, definitely. And tell, tell me what sort of, obviously you've ended up being able to buy a house as well at the, yes. at the, different stages of that and that's still a dream in our lives at the moment because of so many different factors and children Mm. and prices and unpredictability of the market and all sorts of things and I really wonder about our children as well how will they ever buy uh well I I don't know I mean the doom and gloom stories will have you believe that they won't. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I think it will change. I hope yeah, it will change. I hope so. I hope yeah. so because you, it's pretty, mm, 
scary, I guess, is a word, but it is scary to think that their next generation are relying on inheritance. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> because that seems like sometimes that will be the only way. Yeah. And I don't. Yeah, but we're all living longer as well, so I don't know how realistic yeah. it really is. And we're also increasing debt and taking out mortgages mm. on mortgages and. Well, like I that, mean, so. that's that's an interesting point. Um, because like we are debt free apart from the mortgage. Yeah. Um, and like as disappointing as it was that our borrowing capacity was very low much lower than we'd been sort of led to believe that it was. It's been a real blessing. Yeah. It really has. And when we moved down here, because obviously we'd come from a much more affluent area, um, oh, my goodness, like we were really quite shocked at the backlash. Um, mm -hmm. Like I, you know, had a business and tried to bring it with me and I, I guess I naively assumed that it wouldn't be a big deal for some of my clients to come with me mm. and um, you know like I had a couple where I only had their their kids in care a day or two awake and I thought it's only 20 minutes away 15 20 minutes away um, you know, it's not that that hard. <laughs> and and look, it was, and that's fine. And if it's not convenient for people, then that's understandable. But it was the comments that went along with it. Mm -hmm. Like I had I had one client, and you know, she just sort of said to me, like, um, "Oh no, like I don't go to Huonville." And I was like, "Oh, right, okay, <laughs> really." <laughs> All right, then. Yeah, no, we did get a bit of, like, why would you move to Huonville and Hooterville and Bougainville? And, um, interesting. Yeah. And it was, it was really interesting because it was so affordable for us was the answer. But then I guess the, the flip side of that, I don't know, when COVID struck, I shut my business down. It wasn't just because of COVID. It, there was lots of reasons, actually. But anyway, so with, yeah, with working in childcare and the way that the rebate worked under, well, free childcare came at our expense. Um, so I ended up that I would have been better off financially not working mm -hmm. and going on job seekers because. Oh, there was like this silly time frame. So you had a cutoff date in April and I'd already had like half of the kids that I hadn't care had already been pulled out because their parents were in situations where their jobs had stopped for the time being yep. and they couldn't afford care. So I'd already lost over half my income like overnight anyway. So it was more financially beneficial for me to just stop and go on job seekers. And so when I stopped, it was it was like I actually don't know if I want this in the book or online, but anyway. Um, so, like, what started out as genuine concern, um, like, oh, are you okay? You know, how are you guys managing? Do you need us to bring you any food? Like, we had all these people ringing us, going, I mean, you know, it was, it was the beginning, right at the beginning of the pandemic. Everybody was panicking and not really knowing where this was heading, and 
yeah, no, I think it was genuine concern in the beginning, like, are you going to be okay? And we're like, yeah, "Yeah, we're okay, we're okay. And then as it went on, you know, sort of a month on and I'm still not working and, you know, then it sort of turned to more like, oh, are you okay? Are you really okay? And we're like, yeah, we're really okay. And then it was sort of like that underlying, but how are you? okay disbelief yeah yes mm-hmm. and like I remember saying to one friend um you know she's like but how are you managing like how are you paying the bills and how are you paying the mortgage and I remember saying well because our mortgage is dirt cheap you know <laughs> like the downside yeah. or the upside I should say of having low borrowing capacity at the time is that our mortgage was like nearly $200 a week cheaper than our rent was. Mm-hmm. So, and this is where, it's, you know, you would find the same thing. This is where it's so nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're paying this ridiculously high rent all this time and then you go to buy a house and go, but, hey, you know, here we are paying $500 a week rent. We can afford this. We've afforded it for the last three, four years, but you won't lend us the equivalent. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. it's cruel. It's really cruel. It's and such a hurdle. <laughs> yeah, but then, you know, this was in comparison to friend or other people in the family jacket business or friends and what have you. This was in comparison to other people who were paying like fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars a fortnight for their mortgages. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, people didn't understand us buying this crappy old tiny little rundown house in the country. And now we're like, well, yeah, it's got a, an awful lot of work that needs doing to it. Um, but it's home. It's home and we have all this freedom, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we're not stressed out. Like I work part-time. I don't have to bust my balls anymore and, you know, um, and being debt free, apart from the mortgage, is is massively freeing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is, and I think it's something that people only dream about. They don't. Yeah, necessarily... I think that's true. But then I think they're also so caught up in keeping up with the Joneses, and mm-hmm. you know, and and the the glamour of big houses and affluent areas, and like we we love our simple life. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and even just the garden alone and what that provides—the surprises oh, yeah. you've found in there, the color, the f- smells, the way that you now have the ability to house chickens and eggs and cats. Yeah, and yeah, this, and- you know, this, this life that we never saw ourselves having. Yeah. yeah, the other thing that I've found moving to a more rural area is this. I think. There's just this sense of community that I didn't really find mm-hmm. in sort of more suburban areas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get yeah. It. absolutely. <laughs> I think like people are more resourceful. Well, I guess because they have to be. But yeah. with that comes that community and comes people thinking outside of the box a bit more and. Yeah, learning more about permaculture and people are very generous. 
down here and generous with their time and generous with sharing and yeah it's it's quite interesting like the rural community works a lot more differently to suburban cliques and everyone sort of keeps to themselves a bit more I think yeah and again it comes back to that disbelief or distrust in a way of yeah, maybe needing to work Mm. 60, 80s hours to pay off a huge mortgage. Oh, so. yeah. Well, they don't have time to, you know, go to crop swaps and seed libraries and stuff on the weekends. Not really. No. And also they just don't have too the, tired. Yeah, the energy yeah. or the bandwidth to engage in that because they had to exert all their effort into working in a high-paying job or maintaining a house which is perhaps bigger than they need or yeah, realise yeah. they need uh, and all sorts and of And then working like more to have people come in and, and clean your house and yep. do the things for you and gardeners and what have you because, you know, that's the last thing you want to be doing on the weekend after working all week. Yeah, and I think what you were just talking about as well, it does really tie in very nicely with the title of this book which is Stories with a Sunday Roast. Yeah. And the podcast as well. So part of that is having that invitation, if you like, to mm. sit together and have conversations and have memories that are rehashed and rejigged and celebrated instead of just concentrating on memories which are hurtful in a way or just memories that come up which we can then cling on to a little bit too much or yeah. forget about the good ones in all of that as well. So if you think about the Sunday roast itself, can you tell me about some of your favourite Sunday roast memories? Well, we've actually never really been a big Sunday roast family, <laughs> um, but we would be like definitely be a Sunday family catch-up family. Yeah. So sitting around the table, yeah. I think I know that you quite often have your mum and dad come over for a meal yeah, or an yeah. afternoon. Yeah. Tell me about some of those fond memories now. Let's just think about those memories that you're creating in your current house, your new house, your home. Yeah. What have they looked like? Tell me more. Um, oh, you know, we like to play games every so often. We actually have a really tiny table, um, so that's a bit of a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's good. Like we squeeze, you know, we squeeze in or in summertime we'll sit out on the deck and we've got a big table we can sit out there. And, yeah, it's really nice. It's it's quite relaxed. And same when we go to mum and dad's, it's it's really relaxed and, the kids like to play board games or go and play cricket out in the backyard afterwards or something. Yep. And I know you've also been cooking quite a lot from your garden as well. Yes, I love that. Yeah. What does that do for you, do you think? Why do you find that so fulfilling? Um, I guess I'm quite old-fashioned in that way. I think that we take so much for granted and when you go to the trouble of – like raising seeds and planting them out and then you've got to wait all this time and then eventually it becomes something that 
can nourish you and nourish your family. Um, mm. I think that's a beautiful thing. And then being part of the seed library as well, like um, the oh, she's wonderful. The woman who who runs our one, she talks about like legacy and that as well, and legacy and seeds, and with the hope that you know, within the community and years to come, we can be passing on seeds that the mother plant was from, you know, the elderly or, you know, one day we'll be the grandparents in, in the society and to think that like our grandkids or the community's grandchildren might be growing seeds from the plants that we nurtured mm. is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's a beautiful circle back as well, even if you think about the tractor tyres and yeah, <laughs> all yeah. sorts of things. Yeah, uh, for sure. You've essentially been left with this, yes, it looked like a jungle, but this garden full mm. of time and effort and love yeah, and care and everything else like that and saw the beauty in that and I think that's amazing yeah and look I hope I think Eddie Eddie will will do it he always says he wants to have a farm but I hope that a little bit rubs off on the other two kids as well (laughs) at the moment love nothing Uh less than helping in the garden but hopefully one day that will change yeah yeah definitely yeah I think too just um that sense of food security as well in the current climate and yeah. Um, I yeah. think that we've got a, a bit more control over that than we realise if we actually took the time to carve out a little plot of garden and, you know, even just, well, you know, well, the common narrative at the moment, you know, everybody talking about the price of lettuce, for example, and mm-hmm. thinking, like, lettuce is not hard to grow. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> We can all complain about this, but really, you know, um, we could do something about it as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I know for me personally, I don't believe enough sometimes that I can or that I have the time or that sort of mindset's very solid, stuck, even though my parents yeah. did grow up and spent a lot of time in the garden and so did my grandparents and so did lots of people around me however I'm still working through a few things that's all (laughs) yeah you can do it you can do it you just start small yeah start with some parsley that's what I said to Alex the other day (laughs) definitely and yeah no I mean that's not silly herbs are really expensive Mm -hmm. yeah yeah well I have loved diving and twisting and turning around in this conversation and all sorts of things. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if there's really a common thread there or not. <laughs> oh, I, I don't I don't care and that's what we're led to believe in conversations, I believe. I think yeah. common threads are actually quite uncommon in many ways. I think conversation <laughs> needs to essentially take a, on a bit of a life of its own, otherwise it becomes a little scripted or forced or abrupt as well. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, yeah, been absolutely great. So I look forward to hearing more and extending and 
yeah, going from there. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So there's a little bit of surprise with this conversation because I also got the very, very fine and great pleasure of sitting down with Angie's mum, Anna. She has such an incredible story that has stuck with me since I heard it maybe three, four years ago now. (laughs) And again, to speak with an almost stranger and find out about their lives and hear her words with such passion. It is an absolute honour that I get to sit right here and really invite you to join me. I met Andy on Anzac Day in 1975 because in New Zealand on Anzac Day back in 1975, absolutely everything was shut. Uh There were no buses, nothing. It was a real commemoration of the Anzacs. Yeah, And, Mm. And Susie was staying with me and she's like, what are we going to do, you know? What are we going to do all day? And I'm like, well, you don't do anything. You get up and you go to dawn service. To hear more about current projects and the book, please head to lindabonnie.com and I gladly welcome you to the community. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs>